Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Gee. No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. Andre Settles with Subtle welcome Solutions. Welcome back, everybody. My EP. And we have Greenville's most stylist, mm-hmm. what, 2018, 2019? <laughs> I, I don't even know what year it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last year. So <laughs> right? One of the years. Jamarcus Gaston, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jamarcus, man, glad to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I've, mm-hmm. I've been following this podcast for a bit and, and all the creative things you've been doing, so Congratulations to you and your team. Thank you so much for having me in here yeah, today. Yeah, man. It's a pleasure. You look sharp, man. I Thank you, sir. You know, sharpest dress. This yeah. whole thing, I just had to throw a little something together, come to see Ted. You know, you got you to dress up. So before this <laughs> podcast, I, I had what I'm wearing on now, and I was about to change because after recording, we're going to the gym, or I'm going to the gym. And I was like, okay, should I put my gym clothes on? I was like, oh, wait. I know who's going to be on the show. <laughs> I, I got to come correct. So um, you're looking stylish as Thank always, you, man. And for the listeners who might not be watching the YouTube video, or if they're just listening in the car, I promise you guys take my word for it. My man is fresh. <laughs> but uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners so they can know who you are and what it is you do, man. Yeah, I appreciate the the compliments. You know, I uh, my, my parents always told me, you know, grandfather especially said, well, sir, when you show up, make sure you're ready for business. You're ready for that yeah. opportunity. So you always have to look the part. Even like if you're that. an intern, you got to look the part. So yeah. I'm Jamarcus Gaston. I work for uh, CBS, WSPA here locally. I'm a lifestyle TV host. So I get to cover the fun start parts of the, the area, the food, the music, the art, the culture, all that. I've been doing it for 13 years in this in this market. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So um, I started as an intern. I worked my way up to be the station's first lifestyle reporter with the entertainment show Scene on 7. I was uh, promoted to be a host and producer of my own daytime TV show that nice. I did daily. And then I was promoted to be a co-host of a TV show and then another lifestyle host on a TV show. And now I'm one of the, the third lifestyle hosts on our morning lifestyle TV show. So I produce, host, shoot, edit, all that stuff. Do it all. Do it all. A man yeah. of many talents. And I know <laughs> we're going to have a lot of overlays between me and you, a lot sure. of similarities, yeah. which, is, which is why I've been excited to get you on the podcast because I feel as though... Um, I heard a great quote one day and it talked about two people living in the same house, eating the same food, but having a different perspective and different experience. Sure. So us kind of being very close in the same realm, I'm sure our, our experience has been, uh, widely different too. My first question for listeners at home, cause a lot of people look at, um, folks on TV, they might have their ambitions of either producing their own show or even just getting in front of the camera, whether it be on their own social media and share some of their experiences in their city. Mm-hmm. How did you fall into the passion of sharing those stories? And, uh, cause I see all the pictures and the restaurants that you eat at and, and the lifestyle that you're able to bring into your shows. How did you fall into that? How'd that come as about as a passion for you? Yeah, you know, it, uh, being with people has always been a passion of mine. When I first went to college, I went to Furman University here locally for music, and I later added communication studies. What? Yeah. You to Furman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Music okay. was my, my actual passion, and that, I, I had a, part of my degree is a music degree. So mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be a music education, like a teacher. Yeah. And so I thought that teaching was my only passion. But as I got into college, I took a trip to Cuba. And during that Cuba trip, I realized that I don't think that I wanted to be in a classroom my entire life. I wanted to share human stories. Yeah. And so I looked at that in the form of a profession and I was like, oh, I never thought about TV. So I entered into broadcast journalism and the teacher there was like, you're 
pretty good at this. So if this is a career you want, then go for it. And so I had never really even thought about that as a career, but I knew I wanted to connect with people and um, the media, the, the medium of television was what I was most excited about. Yeah. So I jumped in that, interned at the station, WSPA. Um, as an intern, I was, I was that person that was always like, what can I do? Um, I don't want to sit on my hands. I don't want to get anybody coffee. I'll do that if you want me to. Yeah. But I'm not going to just do that. I want to be out. I want to pull cable. I want to learn everything that people here learn. Yeah. You showed up looking fresh yeah. because you, if people were like, you dress better than any of the employees here. How is that possible? You're an intern. It's like, you got to be ready for that opportunity because you never know when that's going to come. So yeah. those opportunities early on really gave me kind of the the necessary energy to want to do this. But I, I got the passion from just really connecting with people and realizing that that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Because if you like people, you can do pretty much any job, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, so, I mean, being on TV is not, um, I mean, you learn to be on TV. You learn, you know, how to dress for TV and all that stuff. But all of that, the lights, camera, action stuff is not something that I'm super passionate about. The only thing that really fuels me on a day-to-day basis is knowing that I'm helping a business get their message out there and their mm-hmm. product out there to help them have a better life and to help us experience our communities in a better way. Because we now, if I go to Ted's coffee shop, I know that Ted is going to be able to pay his bills and feed his family because I'm generating that same level of community Mm -hmm. support. And I love that because something we both connected on in terms of when I used to do meteorology and we talked about um, the, the difference between local media and going national or whatnot. And I think one thing we connected was the ability to connect with our audience, mm-hmm. the local aspect of it. When you go to a, a family owned coffee shop and you have a connection with the owner and you're able to not only support their business, their livelihood, and you know the coffee's good and it has that little extra, mm-hmm. you know, tint of love in it. And, and you just know that you're feeding the economy of where you live. You're being part of their journey and they're being part of yours and even further taking it to the step where you share that on television to the community. You're really kind of bringing it full circle, telling the story about, here, here's a homegrown coffee shop that we could all drink at. And I related to that when I would cover severe storms. Mm-hmm. I'd go to the supermarket and I'd talk about a severe storm that dropped hail. And I was in, I was at home when the tornado warning came out. And then somebody says, I was in the same storm mm-hmm. or I had the same experience. And that's kind of what pulled the connection for me in terms of like, wow, what I'm saying is impacting the people closest to me. They're not just looking at me and thinking like, okay, there's no connection. Right. And I went covering food and lifestyle too. I went through this phase in my career where I was like, does what I do matter? Because everybody in the other side of the business was like, oh, well, you're not keeping people safe. You're not a meteorologist. You're not telling them news stories. It's going to like, it's not, is the milk going to kill you tonight <laughs> that you drank? None of that stuff was happening with what I was doing. So I had this, a lot of conversations. My uncle's a, is a retired journalist in Charlotte, the Charlotte Observer. So I'd had these conversations with him like, Uncle Doug, is, what am I doing? Is this really making a difference? Everyone else can say they make impact with the journalism that they do. And this is a different style of journalism. Yeah. And he was like, stories are stories. Like if you're able to share a story with a community that's looking for a service or looking for a way to better their life. And, you know, people email me all the time saying, I took my wife, I took my boyfriend or girlfriend out to the spot and that's where we got proposed to. This is where, you know, so that's, that's making difference in people's lives. Sure. It may not be a life or death thing, but Mm -hmm. journalism doesn't have to work that way. So it took me a while to kind of deal with that issue of like, not everyone is going to be saving a life every day. 
but you could be making a difference in someone's life, which is important. That's huge what you said, and I had to write that down. Does what I do matter? Because I think a lot of times for people when they look for their purpose or they look for their impact on the world, they can go to work every day, punch a clock, get a paycheck, but unless they feel as though what they're doing makes a difference, what Mm -hmm. they're doing has an impact, they're not gonna feel fulfilled by it. And they, a lot of people, I think you're not alone in that journey in terms of battling, okay, does what I do matter? And then mm-hmm. having to connect the dots in terms of like, okay, so this is how my work impacts people. Just like, let's go back to the coffee shop owner. He probably, or she can probably take pride knowing that by serving the coffee, these folks are caffeinated. They're able to go about their day and fulfill their mission. My mission is to help them fulfill their mission or people can come sit down at my coffee shop, get a nice cup of Joe and have their meeting here. Right. So bridging that gap for people, if anyone's listening and trying to find purpose, meaning or, or fulfillment in what they're doing, bridge that gap, find out how it's impacting and changing people's lives. Because when you say you want to change the world, you only have to change one person's world. Right. And that there was a book and um, during that Cuba trip, the whole point of that trip at Furman was to talk, to learn what your vocation is. Okay. And that was the whole point of it was to really figure out what you were born to do. Not something that you aspire to do, but something that at your birthright that you were born to do. Not what your parents told you you should be, not what your friends tell you that you're good at, Mm -hmm. but literally the raw materials that you were born with that is in turn a profession. Yeah. And the book we read was um, Let Your Life Speak by Parker Palmer. Okay. And one of the quotes from there that really got me on that trip was, what is it that you can do that where your deep gladness and the world's deep need collide? Mm-hmm. And that really, I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know if teaching is that collision of my gladness and the world's need at one time. Yeah. And so that's where I had a conflict. I was like, I don't know if that being in a classroom every day teaching middle schoolers music is really where it's going to be for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, but every person I come into contact with is like, you have a teacher inside of you. I was like, well, yeah, that was a big part of who I am yeah. and who I still will be. And, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, I may teach. Yeah. That is not to say the one thing that you're really passionate about at one stage in your life cannot manifest itself later as mm-hmm. another type of profession using both of my passions mm-hmm. into one career. So it's, it's, it's complicated. It certainly is. And to your point about teaching, um, I was reading on how like mastery for uh, a, a master, you get to a point where obviously there's first the learning curve and then there's an increase in skill level and then there's a slowdown in the skill level. And then when you reach mastery or expert level after quote unquote 10,000 hours in the book Outliers or let's say you reach that level where there's not much more to learn, Mm -hmm. you no longer get fulfillment in that activity. You get fulfillment in teaching that activity to somebody else because they say, okay, the master has failed more times than the apprentice. (laughs) That's because the master has gotten to a level of it an expert and now their fulfillment is no longer growing their craft Mm -hmm. but pushing their craft and teaching others in the future generation so i could definitely see you um in your long career of television Mm -hmm. uh, getting to the point where i'm going to teach those behind me what i've learned throughout the process i want to talk about um not just the the cuba traveling but i see you like to travel as well Anybody that follows you on social knows that you're you're quite the traveler, not just across the country, internationally, but locally. You like to kind of travel in some of the hidden gems in the area, too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's again, a part of my passion to be 
to find these places that people may not know about because people are always really quick to say, oh, this doesn't exist or, you know, anytime I post a picture of a waterfall or something, I really love the outdoors. So I'm always posting pictures of like outdoor things. Yeah. People are like, where's that? I'm like, that is literally 30 minutes outside of the city <laughs> that you live in. Yeah. And so really helping because I'm very curious by nature of being a journalist. You're curious about the, the environment in which you live in. So you're just inspired to go and seek those places out. Mm-hmm. And so that just helps you. You're, I don't think that you can sell something to someone until you fully bought it yourself. Agreed. Yeah. So me trying to sell this community to someone or telling them how great it is or on TV trying to say this weekend I was able to do all these great things without leaving this area. If you don't fully understand the true context of that, then you can't sell it to someone else. So yeah. I, you can't ever go on TV and say, oh, the food scene in Greenville is so great. If you've never eaten at any restaurants in Greenville, then how are you going to tell me that? Yeah. I know that to be true because I've done it. Yeah. And so, and, and you've been in these restaurants if you've traveled to kind of compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the the quickest way to explain that is like you can't fake the funk. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you can try it, and but once they realize that you faked the funk, you, you lose that, that um, authenticity. You, mm-hmm. you lose that transparency. So I, I, I love to find those like hidden gems, but mostly because I enjoy those things. And I feel like a, I'm faking the funk if I'm saying this greatest, this place is really great. I'm on a podcast talking about how great this area is. And yet I've never left this Greenville, area. Spartanburg. Yeah. You just been in the area. Right. And so. I think in today's day and age, I think people have a really quick, we'll call it a BS meter mm-hmm. where, I mean, you scroll through Instagram, you scroll through social, you, you see it all the time where you're like, ah, this person's full of it. Mm-hmm. And I think people have a very sensitive trigger to that nowadays. And the moment they sense a lack of authenticity, they're going on to the next profile, next channel or mm-hmm. next next page right next and we tab. know that and we know that well from just what we do as a profession yeah you know when you're on tv and <laughs> people you're like faking the funk with people there's like hey, i'm sorry i can't yeah. i can't i can't buy it yeah i can't buy it so what are some of your favorite places uh in the upstate in western north carolina too we'll we'll call them just the western carolinas or let's do one hour radius okay this weekend i want to take my lady someplace maybe someplace to eat maybe someplace to hike what do you recommend <laughs> There's so many places. It's like asking somebody their their favorite child. I'm like, I don't know. There's so many. What itinerary you want? What type of food you want? We got it. No, um, I, I mean, Greenville County alone has so many awesome sp- places. Whether you want to hit a bunch of places, the iconic ones like Caesar's Head, Pretty mm-hmm. Place, you know, Ravencliff Falls, all that stuff. You want to go up to Brevard, stop at the Flat Rock Bakery, get you a little coffee, get a little pastry, mm-hmm. go over to DuPont where they made the Hunger Games, sit out on the waterfall, you know, trace, retrace where Katniss was and all them. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there's so many things. You can head up to Asheville for dinner, go up to the rooftop, at, you know. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Hunger Hemingway's Games. Cube, I mean, what you want? We <laughs> yeah. got it. Not to go off on a tangent, but every time I think <laughs> of the Hunger Games, and I understand how morally awful it is. Sure. The concept. But I'm also intrigued if they could, if there could be where nobody gets hurt, if everybody has like a vest on, it's like points. I'd love to participate <laughs> in a game like that. Wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah. As long as there's no no injuries to the face. Sure. Sure. You know, nobody I'm, ain't getting stabbed or cut. Or I'm anything. talking like a real world, like, you know, death match. Battle Royale. Yeah. yeah. That's like, that's like <laughs> the peak adrenaline Bla- rush. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that called Black Friday? Yeah. I mean, it, you see near. people tackling each other. Dang I mean, near. put a vest on at yeah. Walmart. I'm still so surprised that. that the Hunger Games hasn't gotten any money from Fortnite or PUBG because yeah. their video games are based purely off of 
That is true. See, that Andre, don't be starting something. You're getting people in litigation, and they, <laughs> they don't even want know. 1%. I just want 1%. <laughs> yeah, just, just, 1%. just a clean 1%. cut. 1%. Yeah, two, two days from now, I'm reading about a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> I just want 1%. Yeah. Didn't mean to go on the tangent, but you said Hunger Games. And hey, I was you like, know, oh, right? yeah, be awesome. Exactly. <laughs> but so, yeah, so many gems in, so many. in the area. And, and I try to post... That's the value of social media. Yeah. I don't try to hoard this information to myself because... You know, adventures and, and that stuff is best when shared. I want people, and I get people emailing me all the time that say, we did that itinerary that you did. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that spot. We didn't know it, it existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's that's the real value of it. I mean, there's so many itineraries. I plan people's, uh, like, um, like bachelor parties, yeah. bachelorette. I mean, whatever they ask me to do, I'm like an upstate concierge. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll I, send you the I need, bill. Yeah, people are like, I need a place to go. I'm like, well, I got you. That is that is what I do. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll share. And it, 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 it's a pleasure. I mean, I don't have to think too much about it. It's just, what do you want? That's what, what do you want? I can, what fits. I can tell you what I think. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be the, the, you know, the best place for you, but mm-hmm. these are some options. I got the options. Let's push the limits a bit and push the borders because we have a lot of listeners outside of the Carolinas. Uh, shout out to New York and Germany. Going there in two days. You're going to Germany in two years? No. Oh. Just New York. Just not New York. Germany, no. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I mean, yeah. hey, I, I'm available for travel to Germany. Yeah. <laughs> but um, pushing the borders a little bit, what would you say is your favorite place country wide or worldwide? Um, I haven't done very much travel internationally other than Cuba and, you know, um, some things like that. But um, the, probably one of my mo- favorite places I've ever been in this country was Yellowstone National mm-hmm. Park two, last year. Two, yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And that place was just magic. I mean, I love outdoors and I love, you know, kind of the, the middle part of the country. Um, and it, it was just gorgeous. But, I mean, how can you not be inspired by nature like this national park that is on top of an actual live volcano. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you're driving past stuff, like there's things bubbling from the earth. Yeah. You know, so I, it's just one of those cool places where you get to see like, a, you know, just a elk walking by and then there's a wild spring over here and then yeah. there's Old Faithful over there and then it's huge amount. And so you're just inspired by that. Like I, I'm always like writing little notes after I spend time in nature because yeah. we're on a job where we're always on and we're always expected to, you know, have a response in nature, you're really just expected to be quiet. And mm-hmm. that's when you, during those reflective moments is when you kind of, you, you come to a lot of aha moments yeah. with that. And then you just realize how cool nature is and how that relates. Which is interesting because um, there was a, an audio book I was listening to about a study that they've done where it's something about um, three days or like 48 to 72 hours. And they would take these people who work in very high stress situations, CEOs, um, army vets suffering with PTSD or people going through some turmoil in their lives. And they would take them into nature and they would camp out for three days. And the study had the same kind of experience for the people that were there the first day usually they weren't nature people and they're Mm -hmm. like oh there's bugs and the first day there's a lot of resistance the second day there's a little bit a little bit of acceptance and the third day is almost like aha Mm -hmm. where something triggers in their brain after three days in nature where they instantly calm down they connect with their roots and psychologically they open up a little bit sure it's something that our body actually requires if you think about it the world that we have around us the the cars the horns, the sounds, that's relatively new to our biology. Mm -hmm. I'm sure in our lifetime, it's not new because we've had it for most of our lives. But if you think of us as a species, and this stuff popped up within the last hundred years, Mm -hmm. you know, we have 
definitely evolved technologically so much faster than we have biologically. So there's still a part of our bodies who, who yearn for that nature connection, which I love the fact that you go seeking that, which is something we were talking about before the podcast, how a lot of us, a lot of people fall into the, what they're comfortable with, what they're used to. And they say, okay, we don't have this. We don't have that. Tune into the patron to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to, to Andre for the plug. But, um, how would you advise people to get outside of their comfort zone in terms of whether it be travel, whether it be food and things that they're used to, how can they start that process of discovery for what's literally sitting right outside their door? I just tell people to be open. You have to be open with yourself and also open with the people around you. Because if you look at it, the reason why we do certain things are either because we have self-imposed things Mm -hmm. about our expectations and what we like, or we allow other people to do that for us. But because of the group of people we hang out with, we don't hike, we don't do these, we don't, we don't eat here and we don't go there. Yeah. So either someone's imposing that on you or you're imposing it on yourself. So once you identify that and then throwing it by the, the, the wayside and saying, Hey, what is stopping me from stopping at that place to try that, that dish or going to that hike or Maybe because I've heard things like people are like, oh, I'm, I, I don't see many people of color out on the hiking trails. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is that is true. You don't generally see like when I'm out hiking, I, my experience has been there are not a lot of people that look like me yeah. on the trails. But those types of things, I mean, I grew up in a mixed family. So I, I've been hiking since I was a child. And so, no, I didn't have anyone to impose those things on me. Yeah. So what who's telling you that you can't do those things so i think once we look at those ideas and we strip them down and then decide that we're going to be the own navigators of our lives yeah that's yeah. when we decide that it's okay to do those things because you're not worried about how other people perceive it yeah i don't care if someone says hey you're the only black person on the trail in yellowstone oh, okay <laughs> cool i mean what does that have to do with me yeah. it doesn't um i i like being in nature so if yellow if yellowstone is where i want to be then that's that's fine. You don't have to make an excuse or you know a reason for someone else to appreciate it. They don't want to go in the woods. That's that's cool. But mm-hmm. don't allow your friends group or your family or whoever it is that's stopping you from doing that. Impose that on you because then you end up living their life and not yours. Absolutely. I, and I always try and listen for the title of the podcast while we're in the episode. And I just wrote it down. You are the captain of your ship. Yeah. And go to uncharted waters because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us get comfortable with the waters we've already sailed, the waters we grew around, or we're afraid to leave the shore. We're afraid to go past the horizon. We all remember reading in the books how we thought the earth was flat. (laughs) And when Christopher Columbus went over the horizon, they thought he sailed off the side of the (laughs) earth. So where did he go? (laughs) Yeah. Where he went was to the Americas, or mm-hmm. if you want to do talk about the accurate history, whether or not we could leave that up for debate for the historians. <laughs> sure. But the point of uh, this metaphor per se is getting past the horizon to the uncharted waters might just have those hidden treasures you've been looking for your whole life. Absolutely. Because otherwise you're going to be, you're going to be stuck. I told someone this the other day, cause they were asking me about, you know, something that was going on with me. And I was like, you know what? Sometimes I kind of feel like Fred Flintstone in the Flintstone cart, just mm-hmm. moving in place. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> just and so, <laughs> yeah, you just feel like you're just there doing that. Yeah. And so you're going to need either a push or a pull mm-hmm. to go in one direction. Something. You know what I mean? So uh, it's one of those things you're going to, but moving, movement is movement. Yeah. And so, so you can't be afraid about what's, what's over there. Absolutely. But we, we, but so many times you see people, it's like, well, we don't do that. Or <laughs> I've never been there because that area, yeah. you know, and, and it's just like one of those things. It's like, 
you got to live you got to live your life you can't mm-hmm. allow other people to put those parameters on what you're able to do and so and there are a lot of stigmas out there that you know try to prevent people from from doing that so, absolutely but i tell people just based on the profession that i have especially when it relates to nature is because people are always like how can you be the most stylish in greenville and wear all these fancy suits to work, but then we see you in a hammock with like, you know, a tank top and, a, and a cowboy hat on and some cowboy boots. Yeah. I'm like, one of them has to, they both have to exist for me to, to exist. Absolutely. One dictates the other. Exactly. Because my life is so involved and so, you know, manicured in a way where, you know, you, you do this for your job, you do this because I'm passionate about fashion and all that stuff, but that all that has to happen for my profession. So when I'm not doing that, then in order for me to recharge and kind of recenter about what it is that I'm focused on at that moment, the other side of my life has to exist. Yeah. And if you don't have a yin to your yang in your life, then you're automatically going to be either overstressed out or you're going to be too involved in recreational things mm-hmm. and you don't have your focus on the business part of what you're doing. So both of those people have to exist. And I'm a Gemini. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't know who you're going to get on one day. Yeah. So, it's, so <laughs> roll it's like, the dice. you just got to roll the dice, but you have to under, understand. I said, you know, I tell them, I said, before Jamarcus, the suit guy exists, Jamarcus, the wanderer in nature has to exist. Yeah. And they're the same person, but Absolutely. they, you don't, you have to respect both of them. It's the polarities within us that allow us to stay centered and balanced. Right. Absolutely. And uh, pushing even further into the, the ship and uncharted waters metaphor, um, We've all heard the quote to going through troubled waters to create good sailors. I'm interested to get some insight into some of the big storms or challenges in your life. Any challenge you've overcome in your life that you're willing to share now on the podcast that gives you confidence to kind of push through any barriers or challenges you come across in the future. Yeah, I mean, challenges. I mean, I don't even know anything but challenge. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that's one of those things. Once you've been in situations where there have been challenges, I think the challenges, you see them simply as just bumps in the road and not a barrier yeah bumps in the roads you can go over barriers you may try to figure out you can't go through them you gotta go around them they're just bumps in the road and so i think from an early age i've had those like i was adopted by my best friend's parents um when i was going into high school middle school high school um because my mom had heart disease i'm one of six kids i was the baby of six kids Mm -hmm. my brothers were all out doing you know drugs all these things gangbanging so I was the only one that was kind of looking for like going to school, studying all that stuff. I'm like, literally, I tell the story all the time. My brothers, like literally, I remember sleeping, like there were guns under our mattress and wow. drugs in the house. And for some reason I would just be in the corner doing my homework. Yeah. I had no idea. And I, when and yeah. I don't, I don't like that's to get religious. I don't like to get religious with people, but I say, that's how I know God had a plan in my life. Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, I could, I could have literally, I was like steps away from making a, a different decision. Absolutely. So for some reason, I decided to focus on schoolwork. Um, my, my mom agreed to let my best friend's parents adopt me because my mom was in and out of the hospital. There was no stability. Yeah. So she knew that she couldn't provide stability for me. So I was adopted by my best friend's parents. Um, my mom died my senior year uh-huh. of, of high school, two weeks before my high school graduation on Mother's Day. Oh, man. So that took a whole different, like, I mean, I was like... Really? This is the reason, like, I worked all this time, salutatorian in my high school class. Wow. I was, you know, doing all these things, and I was like, this is the day I've been waiting for, and this is what God does. Mm -hmm. So I went through this whole, like, up and down of, like, doubting religion, not believing he exists, you know, being like, why did I do this? Am I still going to do this? You know, you doubt who you are. Yeah. So that was going into college, 
you know, in freshman year, you're meeting all these new friends. You had to explain the adoption thing to them. It's an interracial adoption. My parents are white. You know, I'm a black kid. My, and so you go through all those things. Yeah. Racism that exists with a small town and being adopted by an interracial family. Had people leaving my church because really? my family brought a black kid to church. So, I mean, you, things like that. And my parents are very, sh- they shielded me from all that. Like, they didn't tell me until I was an adult. Yeah. But yeah, you know, those people laugh because, you know, are this things, you know, not just to, to, to make me feel some type of way. It's just that's what happened. As you got they into want, They wanted to educate me about yeah. that and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, like going through college was, you know, had ups and downs with, you know, your family life and things like that that were going on. You know, getting into t- television, it's always an uphill battle trying yeah. to figure out, you know, you know, how to fit in, how to how yeah. to figure out your own voice. Literally, like what who am I supposed to be in this? Like, And really, you just be yourself. But you learn how to navigate those waters, mm-hmm. working a couple of jobs in TV to kind of get to the job that you want to do. Shows get canceled. You you're like, oh, is it because of me? It's not you. It's this. It's that. Mm-hmm. But you, every time anything like that happens, you always I internalize emotionally. I know that I, my emotions are internalized. Yeah. So you're like, oh, well, uh, you know, you say it's not me, but I'm still gonna internalize and say it's me. I do the same thing, right? No matter <laughs> what happens, you're like, this is about me. Yeah, what did I do? Right. Yeah. So show cancellations, re moving people over because I tell everyone else, it's like if you, most people's jobs, if they if they get moved around in their company. You don't got to walk to the grocery store that day and let someone bring it up to you 17 times. Exactly. So what happened? What happened? You all right, baby? Yeah. And I'm like, um, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> fine. It's just. And so you, going through, I've been through a couple of those yeah. type of types of things where you've been moved around and this show ends and that one begins and that one ends four months. Later, and it's just mm-hmm. so. And they don't understand it's part of the business. But on the outside looking in, they might be concerned or. Right. Asking, you know, what's the the meaning? And you're just like, this is just how right. it is. And there are some things you can say. There's some things you're not allowed to say. Yeah. And so it's, um yeah, I mean, it's been, but my whole life has been ups and downs and things like that. But mm-hmm. I think the whole context, the totality of the experience makes anytime there's something major that comes up, I'm like, well, I mean, hey. If I've gotten through that, I think this is going to be a piece of cake. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's that's has been how I looked at things. And it, it helps me give a better way of relating to my friends, too. I'm, I think I'm a better friend yeah. to them because of that. Because when they bring things up to me like, you know, um, you know, I chipped a toenail mm-hmm. and I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. And, I, and, I, and I'm like. I'm like, come on now. Like, yeah. I don't like to throw my experiences on people, but I try to give them a little framework to say, come on now. Perspective. We're going to get through this. Yeah, we can we, do this. We can rebuild from that toenail. Yeah. You know what I mean? It so will grow back. It will grow back, you yeah. know? And His I, nail file. Right. <laughs> and I never try to even make excuses for, I mean, because I'm like, my experience has been, it's been dramatic. I mean, it's been a lot of things that happened, but it's like, I don't try to ever bring it up unless yeah. being provoked to, or if someone, if someone gets it twisted about me, because if you wear a suit and a tie every day and everyone thinks they can kind of formulate your life based on mm-hmm. y- the image that you, they see. And I've had that happen many times where people are like, Oh, you know, this guy, you know, coming in, when, too. he coming yeah. away in a tie and a suit and whatever, what you going to tell me how you, you lived a hard life. And I was like, yeah. well, let me lay it down. Let me give you a little timeline. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, and address mm-hmm. the elephant in the room. You have two black men in ties sitting here. And most people, some people would quote unquote, pull our black card because we're articulate we're educated and we've we've worked a certain amount to get ourselves to a position sure but that doesn't 
that doesn't dictate our upbringing, doesn't dictate our experience. In so any you way, can pull a car, but I got a whole deck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you want? I mean, you can pull one of the cars, but I yeah. mean, I've been, I mean, we've been in this business for a while. It's dealer's choice, man. Exactly. <laughs> like, what, like, what do you want? Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that you, you face that battle of people being like, they think they know you because of the image that you, you have. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I have to have this image to even operate in this game. Yeah. This image has to exist for me to even play in the same field with you. And then I have to be six times better at the game than you to even be at the same level with you. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's just what my reality is. And you learn how to play in those in those in those arenas. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. But people people are like, oh, well, you know, I feel like a, you probably had it had it pretty easier. And I was like. No, no, no. This is an Oprah. I mean, you want to hear the Oprah story. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you, you can't you can't judge. And every time I talk to young people, I always bring that story up because it's easy for you to stand in front of a group of kids and for them to look at you and say, well, I mean, they ain't my, in my they've been in my in my shoes. Yeah. And you're like, well, yeah, I have been in your shoes. Like, yeah, I have been in your shoes. I, I've I've been there. I've been in that. And I look at them in their eyes and say, I've been in this in the arena, in an auditorium like this, sitting here, maybe you didn't eat last night. Maybe your mama just, I mean, you, you have a single parent mother yeah. who has had to make a decision between buying food or paying the light bill. And so maybe you're a little hungry, but you showed up to school and you came up ready to work. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been there where you are, but, but for the fact that I'm telling you that you can be where you are and then be here. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a, this is a case study right here. <laughs> yeah. So if you, you could, whatever, whatever you're reading in your books, this is the case study right here. Yeah. Well, so, I, I could hear the passion in your voice through that story. And I appreciate you sharing sure. that story because I think a lot of people, they see the sunshine and the rainbows to kind of give a little hint at the podcast, but they don't see the storms and the rain that water the flowers in order for them to grow. And, um, I think a lot of people can, quickly judge and take a look at the final product and forget about the sweat and tears that it took to build it. So um, I appreciate that. And as we're coming to the close of the podcast, I definitely want to make sure people have an opportunity to reach out to you, to connect with you, explore your story further, or get some suggestions from you in terms of what they should explore if they happen to be in the Greenville area. So where can folks connect with you more? Sure. I'm on Instagram at Jamarcus Gaston TV. Mm-hmm. You can click on there and I'm I'm constantly posting stuff on there and I'm, I always answer direct messages and anyone who needs any suggestions for things, I'm always doing that. I, I do Facebook too, to search my name, yeah. Jamarcus Gaston. And um, yeah, I, I try to, social media has been a great way to connect <laughs> 24 hours a day. This man has social <laughs> awareness that I am trying to adopt. You are always on point. Even before this, you took the picture, really got it. And then <laughs> hopped right into it. So I, I, I see you and I respect the hustle, man. Likewise. Yeah. Likewise, Ted. Well, Jamarcus, thanks so much. And, and for the listeners that made it to the end, um, there was a lot of value to unpack in this. So definitely give this one a little list, uh, another listen. And um, I love your passion for sharing human stories. And uh, does what I do matter? I think a lot of people need to kind of explore themselves in terms of what they're doing and finding the purpose on how that makes a difference in life. And uh, the title of the podcast right now is, it's going to be, You Are the captain of your ship. Don't be afraid to go to the uncharted waters in your life. I know we've had influences and people around us that direct us and push us in a certain area, but it's okay. You're your own person. It's important for you to kind of go outside of that comfort zone into that realm and find your own flow, find your own waters and your own streams and uncharted territory where you could stick your flag and claim it as your own. With that being said, big shout out to Andre. 
my executive producer. And don't, don't forget about our Patreon page. We have some uh, behind-the-scenes stuff there. You can subscribe for that for as little as a dollar a month, and we really appreciate the support. But as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. The No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high-speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes and find out how you can lock in your space with rates starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.